Titus today on the Daily Walk. Welcome to the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger. And as I said, we are in the book of Titus today. It's a short three-chapter book that Paul writes to Titus, who is a church planner on the island of Crete. Paul leaves him there to keep the churches going that they plant in Crete. Crete is a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean, and they got some churches going there, and Paul writes this in his second imprisonment from Rome, and he's just trying to encourage Titus to keep the churches strong, keep uh, the right people in the right positions, not to get caught up in heresies, and not to let legalism come in, you know, because it's a lot of times people get caught up in well, we have to do it this way or it's not right. And, you know, it's by grace through faith that we're saved. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. It's not by a ritual. It's not by a physical act. It's by confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that we have this redemptive saving grace in this relationship with Christ. And so that's what Paul's really writing in three chapters. They're fairly short, so we probably won't be long today. And he starts it out with the truth gives confidence that we have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, I highlighted this because, you know, sometimes we have to be reminded that God doesn't lie. We have to re be reminded that when things don't go our way, it is not God not fulfilling what he said. We have to remind ourselves that God does not lie. So verse 2 of Titus 1, this truth gives us confidence that they have eternal life, which God who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Okay? So, now in just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone, that grace through faith <laughs> gives us a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, he goes on to say he's writing to Titus, a true son in the faith, and may God, the Father in Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. So then he goes on to talk about elders in the church, right? Because they got these churches planted in Crete, and he's talking about a lot of the things that he's already told Timothy, right? An elder must live a blameless life, must be faithful to his wife, must have children who have good reputation, can't be wild or rebellious. He must be a good manager of his own household and God's household. 
and he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered and must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. He must enjoy having guests in his home, so practice hospitality, you know, and I love that part because if you look through Jesus' life, he was very much into hospitality. Think about there's one, uh, well, there's a, several things, but there's one story in there where there's hospitality given. And it must be important because it's in all four Gospels. And in that hospitality, it's like many of us, his disciples say, how are we going to do this? And it's like they have no clue. And I think a lot of times when we are thinking, you know, spouse says, hey, I, we're going to have so-and-so over for dinner. We're like, whoa, how are we going to do that? What are we going to have? And, and what Jesus says to his disciples is, what do you have? And then he challenges them to what they have. And when they give him what they have, Jesus, as Jesus always does, multiplies it and does miraculous things with it. If you're tracking with me at all, that's when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. And in all four Gospels, you get the picture that Jesus wants to have dinner with these people. They've been listening to him. He's been sharing with them. He's in their presence. They're in his presence. And, and so everybody, if you were with me Sunday, and our, our stream is on Compassion Church and Homestead Church, I talked about rest. They're in his presence. They're in this covenant fidelity with God right there with Jesus, the Son. And, and Jesus has compassion on them. It even says that in one of the Gospels and wants to feed them. He wants, that's hospitality. And so many times we say, how are we going to do that? And Jesus just says, what do you have? You know, and we know the story where they say, well, we, we have, they don't have. They say, well, there's a boy here with five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus multiplies that. And not only is everybody fed, but they pick up, you know, baskets of extras. And so when I think of that, I think of stories that we have of people who test the Lord, in my opinion, okay? Because the Lord will test us, and the biggest thing is is, is our finances, you know? Because one of the stories the disciples point out, even if we worked for X amount of time, we would never have enough money to pay for enough food for all these people. And so it's that time of year where we are like, at a point where a lot of people will quit giving to their church because it's Christmas. You know, we got to have money for presents. We got to have money for dinners. We got to have money or, you know, you're doing extra things at church. So I'm not going to give, 
our tithes and offerings to the church because I'm doing this for the church. When we do extra for the church, that's extra offering. We can't cut off the tithes to the church. And Jesus is being robbed of blessing you when you do that because he wants to show you how he can multiply that. And if we would trust him and say, hey, this is what I do have, he would love to multiply that and show you that not only do you have enough, but with God, all things are possible and you will have extra. And here's what I can tell you. I've heard testimony of when people have trusted God with their finances and they've not had a clue. See, the hardest time to trust is when you can't see. And they've not had a clue. These guys in the, the feeding of the 5,000 couldn't see. They had no idea. And God multiplied it. Jesus multiplied it. And they fed all those people. And then they had extra. And that's what he wants to do for us. So here's my thing. In this time of season where it's all about Jesus and he's the reason Maybe he's saying, what do you have? There's no mistake Titus comes up this time of year. He's saying, what do you have? And he wants us to just trust him. Because he wants us to be able to see the blessings he has for us. And that there will be extra left over. And I, I just think that's cool. I've seen that in my own life. I know I've seen people testify to that in their life. And he wants to bless us because here's what Paul writes in this. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. If our heart's pure and our intent is pure and we know that God is able and we remember that we are his child and we know that we are uh, one with Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in us through Jesus our Lord and he's our Savior and we trust him with everything, then everything is pure to those with pure hearts. But Paul goes on and says, nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving. What? Unbelieving. That means we don't trust. Unbelieving. That means I don't believe that this will happen. So I can't do this, so I'm not going to do this because I just don't see where this can ma manifest or take place. <laughs> and he says, because their minds and consciences are corrupt. So that sounds brutal, right? But think about this. Let's, let's put it digitized because we live in an electronic world. When you transfer files from one place to another, a lot of times, or not so much now because we've perfected it, but sometimes those files can get corrupted to where the information goes from this drive to that drive, and when they transfer, if they get corrupted, when you get it to the other drive, it doesn't read the same. So the information that you're trying to see is distorted. So if we look at it that way, 
our mind is distorted because we don't believe, so we don't think this can happen, so we don't participate in it because we don't believe that it can really happen because we can't see because how in the world will this ever be? I don't see how I'll make ends meet. I don't see how I, so I don't trust. And that's where Paul says such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. We deny him when we say we don't believe because we say we're not going to do it because we don't believe God's going to fulfill us. But we just read God doesn't lie. And if God says, hey, I want you to give me what you do have because I'm going to bless you, then why would we think he's not going to bless us? <laughs> so this is this is like for short chapters this stuff's loaded with promise so paul goes on and says you got to be an example to everybody around you by doing good works of every kind let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of what we teach teach the truth so your teaching can't be criticized then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us so that's where it comes to play if we're going to teach it preach it we got to live it and do it so if we're going to teach about trusting god then we really got to trust god and i love that song i trust in god my savior one you know and and one of my friends said one time <clears throat> excuse me there's a song that says he has never failed me yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she, she's like, why do we say yet? Like he's going to fail us sometime? <laughs> and I'm like, good point. Because we know he's not going to fail us. Because God's never going to fail us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if he's never going to leave us, then he's not going to fail us because it's the same. So we got to live that example. We got to be the truth. We got to be what he says we're going to be. He's, and that's his example because people watch that. And if we live a life that says, hey, you know, I know Jesus, but I can't do this because I don't know that I'll be taken care of, then what kind of Jesus are we saying we know? So I highlighted this in a different color because to me, and it's in red because I, I think this represents the truth in the God we serve. And it's Titus 2.11 through 14. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to what wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us 
his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. So in short, to the grace of God, we can be entirely sanctified, filled with his Holy Spirit, living in a world sin-free. We don't have to sin because the Holy Spirit will guide us so we don't have to sin. And be in a world that has sin all around us, but not of the world, because we're led by the Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, is what being entirely sanctified means. We are entirely devoted to a life in Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in us and we are filled with the Spirit. Boom. Isn't that awesome? And that's what he's trying to tell Titus. Hey, man, be a part of that. Be a part of that. Teach that. Help people know that once you're saved, there's more. And don't flip-flop. Don't keep fighting the old sinful nature, man. Give yourself totally to God so that you can live in this world and not be a part of this world from a sinful point of view. Because we have to be in the world, right? Until God comes and takes us out of the world, we got to be a part of the world. But we can be the living example of what life in Christ is about. You know, and I told a story uh, maybe yesterday about my basketball team, and I was telling another fellow pastor this yesterday about, you know, we can speak Jesus. That's like my favorite song. I speak Jesus. And... You know, we were losing to a team that we should not have lost to. Things were not going well. And this is a fairly new team, and they've been through a lot in the last four years. So, you know, the bar is low, and I knew it was going to be. But we this, this was really an obtainable goal that we weren't obtaining. And my team knows that I'm a pastor, and I'm in a public school. So there's a lot of things I can't do there that I would do like at a Christian school where I came from. But as this is going and the girls see what's going to happen as far as the outcome, there's girls on the bench, you know, our backup players, and they start singing Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. Our God is an awesome. And I'm just like, that is so cool. Because they're like feeling free in a public setting, playing in a public school game to start singing like that, knowing what I do for real and that it's okay to me, and that it just made me feel like my example gives them the freedom to speak like that in this setting, knowing that I'm going to be okay with that. And so I was sharing with this pastor friend of mine that, you know, we can speak Jesus, and I may have said this yesterday too, we can speak Jesus to people without preaching gospel messages we speak jesus to people in living a life that speaks hope that has positive things to say that doesn't get caught up in uh and i think 
Paul's going to say this in the next chapter, but don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to things that don't matter. Just be Jesus. Don't slander anyone and avoid quarreling. Instead, be gentle and show true humility. That's what Paul says in chapter 3. Do what is good. (laughs) So when we reflect an image of Christ, it really makes a difference. And I got to see that firsthand. And, And that was really a blessing to me. So Paul, you know, closes us out with this reminder, be, keep doing good. You know, don't get caught up in foolish conversations. Be obedient to Christ. Make sure you realize that everybody sees you and that you're going to be an example for Christ. He saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He washed away our sins. He took my sins away. He took my sins away. And he generously poured out the Holy Spirit on us and through us, through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, unless I go from here, you won't receive the gift I have for you. And that's him living in us through the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I saw this really cool thing the other day that said when Christ was born, it was Christ with God with us. When Christ died on the cross, it was Christ for us. And when he ascended to heaven, it was Christ in us. (laughs) And so we have that. And I just think that's really cool to have that with us. So it reminds us not to get caught up in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights over things that don't matter. You know, in in denominational boundaries and stuff like that, we get so caught up in, you know, who believes what and what, who has what rules and who has what regs. And I've seen that divide people. That's divided some people I know that have come to my own church And it's sad because the real thing that matters is what is your relationship with Christ? Who cares if you you take communion this way or you take communion that way? Who cares if you wear something on your head or you don't wear something on your head? Who cares if you believe this or you believe that? Which really has nothing to do with anything. What we really got to believe is that you got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that God loved us so much that he sent his son to the world to die on the cross for us, and he rose on the third day and is in heaven now waiting for us, and all who believe in him have a relationship with him, and that if we want more, he wants us to be totally committed to him through entire sanctification and filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can survive this world in a relationship with him that is led by the Spirit. That's what matters. Not all the P's, Q's, dots, I's, and cross T's. 
in whose name we are in, under and whose name we're living with and whose insignia is on the back of your coat. The only insignia that matters is the one on your heart, and that's Jesus Christ. So he closes out, you know, giving his love to everybody and and how he appreciates the work that's being done. And he always says, may God's grace be with you all. And that's how we're going to close today. May God's grace be with you all. Remember you're an example to someone and that you can speak Jesus by that example. So trust in God and be that example for someone. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday because tomorrow is a rest day. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail.